0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honest Conversations with Alex Cubis, brought to you by Nova Entertainment, where I dissect the genesis of successful creatives, ideas, and career pathways. Inside the actor Studio, however, this is not. In this episode, I chat with Australian director Alethea Jones, who is directing the upcoming live-action film, Barbie, for Sony, starring Oscar winner Anne Hathaway. Aletheia recently won the Screen Australia Breakthrough Award in Los Angeles from AIF and directed her first feature, Fun Mom Dinner, which premiered at Sundance and is streaming everywhere, including Netflix, starring Oscar nominee Tony Collette and Molly Shannon. Aletheia has won numerous awards around the world for her short films and has directed television for Amazon Studios. Hope you guys enjoy it.
1: Aletheia Jones.
0: Alethea Jones, fellow Australian Um an amazing filmmaker who I'm starting to have a conversation with. And we start off with these four questions. Uh, I think, I feel, I need, I want. So in the moment right now, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you need? And what do you want?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I think. What am I thinking?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm thinking a lot about anger. And female anger and everything that's happening with Time's Up and Me Too and the backlash that's happening. And so i have sort of really engaging with people in kind of a really fired-up, spirited way about the whole situation with mm-hmm. how women are treated. Sure. That's, that's on my mind a lot. and reading a lot about it.
0: Okay, great. Um, I feel... I feel...
1: I feel optimistic about life.
0: Okay, good contrast. Very excited. Yeah, right?
1: Very optimistic. And that's to do with career and love and just loving where I'm living. And yeah, I'm feeling like I'm
0: at a good place in my life. And what about I need and I want?
1: I need... I need to be working on this pitch document for a show that my friend has created. And I promised her I'd do that. And that's something that's nagging at me. I need to, I need to do that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's a niggling thing. And I want, yes, I want to make a feature film this year.
0: Great. That's a good, (laughs) good, really clear goals. Okay. So, um, don't want to delve too deep into your life story, but, I am of the view that education and upbringing in part is a way that creatives refine their point of view. Yeah. Um, the specificity that you have and the success that you've had as a creative to what do you do attribute that success?
1: Yeah, there's a few things that, yep. that can... Uh, what, a, what a beautiful observation and question. Um, so I make I like to make elevated, heightened... Noisy comedy, Okay. magical stuff, and and I think that where that comes from is probably that I it, it probably can attribute a lot of it to that I grew up in a broken home, okay, um, with optimistic parents and siblings, but it, it's a
0: broken home yeah. nonetheless. Where you're craving entertainment and crave craving and enjoy. dysfunction,
1: and yeah, yeah, yeah and cra- craving joy, cra- trying to make sense of the world, okay. trying to make light um of darker situations okay. that, that's something that I'm always very concerned with and it's why wow. I, I do comedy so um that was tough in high school I did a lot of those rocker Stedfords. do you know what rocker steadfords are uh
0: big like musical theater performances dance competitions yeah. Yeah. you with were that, like, an actor before yeah yeah, yeah. so I, we can was, talk about that specifically but um did you you went to acting school after high school was yeah, straight class? after. Okay. Yeah, I
1: always thought I wanted to act. Okay. I, I have a degree in acting, and okay. I had done from which school USQ in okay. Queensland. Okay, and I had done like I was in touring plays in high school and everything. You, like you know, five days a week, I was in drama classes and theater rehearsals and all sorts of stuff.
0: Okay. And was there a turning point for when you transitioned from being an actor to wanting to be a director?
1: Yeah. And that turning point is another little flag for what what I think contributes to my voice, actually. And that is as soon as I graduated, in 2001, when I graduated from acting school, my sister died in a car accident. Wow. And... Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was horrible. It it was like, it actually took me about six years to recover fully um, and be able to talk about it without bursting into tears. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before that, I mean, I was 21. Mm. And and so before that, I was just this privileged, white, cisgendered, like just absolutely living an oblivious um,
0: sort of lovely life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, exactly right. Right. But but I, I seemed to have a way with. Getting through social structures right. and popularity and friendship and things, and um, but you can, I mean, as a, I don't know, you learn to bury the broken yeah. stuff pretty yeah. deep, and it manifests in different ways. That's social later. conditioning, and yeah. Like it's human resilience. Yeah. yeah. So my sister died, and um, I had moved to Sydney pursuing an acting career, and suddenly I just didn't want to act anymore. And a friend took me to church, and so for two years I became a full-on born again Christian. Full on, like right. loved it. And actually sure. a very special time that I look back to, it was a very healing time. Sure. And they introduced me to directing there. I started directing the church plays and then I started making because church Because creativity movies. is
0: really important to, or spirituality and creativity are go hand in hand. And Absolutely. And lead self-ownership and leadership and Expression, stuff. Expression,
1: emotions. Yeah. I mean, and it, it is a way is that still to part of your
0: uh, life? In any way that spiritual life? Is it something you adhere to does it inform your creative process? I don't
1: identify as a Christian anymore. Okay. uh, But I'm deeply spiritual. Okay. And I do love when I watch a good movie, it sends me into a really special place. Like I resonate and I I sort of.
0: Deeper or at a heightened level? Yeah. And
1: even if it's something like Jumanji, by Mm. the way, like Mm. I'll sit at the credits and just be humming with energy. Yeah. So that I definitely am spiritually inclined.
0: Okay, and so you started directing through the church, and then w- there was a transition into being a professional filmmaker. So we started right before we started this conversation. You said that you wanted to highlight that mm-hmm. it, this has been a long process. You've gone from you won an award a couple of months ago, the Screen Australia Breakthrough Award for mm-hmm. a director, and you're with the top shelf agency and management company with Paradigm Agency and Three Arts. So for those listeners out there those are the two of the biggest or most, I'd say most powerful one of them, you know, some of those powerful companies in um, Hollywood and in the industry. Um, you're a young female filmmaker. So by all accounts, your web presence and the projects and stuff would suggest that, you know, pretty quick splash. But mm-hmm. You wanted to highlight that there's been like a longer process yeah. behind all of that. Yeah. And obviously you started sort of directing in the church. What, when you were in your early twenties, yeah. so it's been, yeah, a good solid couple of years. So what was the, the path in a nutshell, how do you sort of see it and define it yeah. to being professional? Great.
1: I'm so happy to be talking about this. Um, and the reason, by the way, just yeah. quickly, the reason I wanted to talk about it was because people, I, I, I see these young, especially filmmakers mm-hmm. coming over to LA and reaching out to me from
0: Australia, Yeah,
1: from Australia, yep. reaching out to me and asking for
0: help. Right. And before they've done anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe they've done a film,
0: mm-hmm. um, like a short film or yeah, a, a, a short f- film. Yep. Yeah
1: and and wanting help and it's like i can't yeah. i don't know how to help you yeah. and and by the way don't put so much pressure on yourself to succeed so early yeah. because for me so then after after i went to that church for 2 years i i sort of faffed around for a year and did some choreography and acting and things and went to film school so you okay. know, i i did a degree and i was the worst filmmaker in my class What school VCA, the Victorian oh, College great. of the yeah. Arts. For a
0: year, the year one three year program, three year program.
1: Oh, I needed three.
0: I, yeah, and I course. could have done
1: one year because I had a degree already. Yeah, you could have done the master's, but you chose um, to do three. Oh, yeah, I wanted to learn how to edit and use a camera. So you were light. living
0: an extended student life for a good couple of years?
1: Good observation. Yeah. Yes, yes. And forever what were you doing? a student. Do you
0: mind me asking, what were you doing to make a living?
1: Yeah, um, I, I think I was, I think somehow I was on the, you know, the student sort of, Oh,
0: the youth allowance. Yeah, I think yep. I had
1: youth allowance for a little bit of that. I nannied. Okay. And I, w- I would do... I'm the face of New England Credit Union. Still. Still? I think, <laughs> I think still. And I did commercials for them. Uh, Wait, is that a bank in <laughs> Australia? Yeah. In like Tamworth and Armidale. You, we
0: can look you up and see you the face look, of...
1: Yeah, you can see me. Like, wow. And they actually... see so you've
0: been the face, the, yes. mo- the, the model of a bank.
1: Since from two thousand and one to um, to two thousand and twelve, definitely. Maybe
0: that's why they you've watched got such me grow up. Maybe that's why you've got such a familiar face. Where are you from? I'm from Sydney, but just you've got like a you've got an acting face and a I and relatability, <laughs> and you know that. But that that obviously helps, and that I think informs your process too. <laughs> but maybe subconsciously, I've seen your ads somewhere. I had no idea.
1: Sometimes people will like. Blow through Tamworth, and I'll get a random text message going, What are you doing on an a t m machine like right. wait like I'm on credit card, like one of well. my friends someone there's my face is on a credit card, no so that well. helped get me through film school. It wasn't okay. a lot of money, but yeah. it was enough okay. and I nannied okay I was a nanny, and v c a paid me as well uh, okay. like fifty bucks a week to to run screenings for them, so just okay. bits and pieces and yep. I taught at v c a film school basically. like I taught teenage like summer school and winter school okay. With people like Kitty Green and John okay. yep. and yeah. Okay,
0: Kitty Green, by the way, is your as a friend, and she's the director of casting John Benet. Good work, Netflix documentary, um, which premiered at Sundance. Yes, alongside Fun Mom Dinner. Yeah. Um, so you went to VCA for three years, and by this point, you've sort of been pursuing a creative life for a good maybe six years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So again, we're like, this is like how long <coughs> it takes. Yes. Um, and. Uh, after BCA what was your first process?
1: My first thing out of VCA was my friend Polly Staniford who's a producer and she was also at Sundance with me okay. and Kitty with her film Berlin Syndrome
0: Okay,
1: uh, Polly gave me a job out of film school uh, on Bogan Pride, which is Rebel Wilson's musical yeah. series, and she she wanted me on Bogan Pride because she knew I was a choreographer as well as a director, and that was a musical. Were you
0: ad so or I was
1: a runner and oh. a production assistant, yep. so I was driving the actors around, mm-hmm. driving Rebel around Tony Ears, Michael McMahon, all of them. Wow, like, Tony As and Michael McMahon are beautiful producers, yeah, um, and just a nobody, and and really treated very poorly. Yeah, the higher the the job though the better they treated me like the producers yep. treated me beautifully, but okay. all the middle, I was, I remember being the scapegoat for something that I did not, the mistake I did not make, oh, but it's humbling and yeah. you suck it up. And I, I loved that. I learned okay. a lot about set and television from being the nobody okay. and running stuff around. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I did that and, and that then informs
0: your generous spirit today. I can imagine.
1: Oh, I'm, oh yeah. yeah. Empathetically. Yeah 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 being treated poorly by people it's good to start it. you've got to do that sort of stuff, sure yeah and then uh then I did some more running and and nannying for the net for for two years. I basically was a production runner and okay. a production assistant, and then I started making short films, more okay. shorts, and that was Rick Davies, who is one of the lead roles in offspring, yeah like Jimmy, yeah. He was in my grad film at VCA, which so was, was a, a terrible... So, your grad film,
0: When the Wind... No. Oh, okay. No. i oh. very...
1: Don't worry. No okay. one's seeing any of my VCA stuff. Okay. It's so bad. Okay. But Rick was in one and he had a good... I looked after him. Like, the films were bad, but I did look after my actors and he had a good time. So, he brought me When the Wind Changes as a script. And he had gone off and done The Saddle Club. Yeah. And he came to me and Did he, he
0: write... Said, in, no. Oh. He,
1: he was just... Oh, what, what? Did he
0: write When the Wind Changes? Yes. No way. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay.
1: He's so smart. Yeah. He wrote it and he sa- and he financed it. Wow. He saved all this money from Saddle Club and kind of said, oh, I feel so dirty. I was just like, I mean, this money was so easy to make. Yeah. I, I feel guilty having it. Okay. I want to put it into a short film. Right. Here's this idea I've got. Okay. And we couldn't get anyone to produce it or be a proper crew. I read that. Yeah. You it's had a, difficulty getting a no producer. Weird. No one thought it would work. I don't think
0: though, but now that wouldn't be a weird idea. Everyone's trying yeah. to come up with these sort of slightly what would have been like an off center or left of centre idea and like yeah. a little bit quirky. But that's a that's also like um, When the Wind Changes is an award winning short film that Alethea directed in two thousand and ten. Yes. Um, and it's the premise you can look it up online is the wind changes and two guys are stuck mimicking each other's or saying the same things. Whenever one person talks, the other person says the same things. Um, (laughs) That's a concept also for like, that could be like an eighties comedy too. Right. Yeah. So um, I found that strange that you had difficulty getting a producer.
1: I think it's also that I hadn't done any good shorts. No one knew who I was. We didn't have screen Australia funding or anything. We just had, you know, It was a good budget for a short film, but still not paying people. Are you
0: allowed to say what the budget was?
1: It's like $20,000, Okay, which is like huge for like, I I will buy Richard Davies dinner for the rest of his life because he saved my career. Like he launched me by believing in me and choosing me to be the director of that film and put you know, to trust his money. And it's funny. He was like, I I said to him, you have to have a producer's credit on this. And, and he's like, okay. And I'm like, but you have to actually work. And, he, <laughs> and I think that was a gift. I think that was a good thing for him as an actor to, to pull a film together. He he and I both just bled and sweated for that film to get it up. And I'm so proud of it still. It's my most proud work. Really? That film because no one would, would help us and we So
0: did you go into making this short film, which was Rick came to you yeah. after being in one of your student films. So that's just like people knowing each other whatever. And then you make this project – when you're making it, obviously you want to just, you, first and foremost, I'm guessing, you just want to make a good short. Mm. And then did you have a, a business plan behind making it? No. Or what was the objective was, with what I wanted what to do with it?
1: I just, I, I had made so many bad short films at film school that the physical sensation when you make a mistake, when you actually experience the mistake, when you sit in an audience and watch your short film dive and you know it's bad, mm. Like, for me, that's my whole career is running away from my mistakes and running towards course correction, trying to... Right. So I was pretty aggressive about just wanting to make a really good film. Okay. That's all, And so I was going to be uncompromising. Like, for
0: your own pride, I guess. For my own pride. Get it right, like, to see if
1: I could do it. And so Rick was, like... I remember, like, two months into me coming on board. He's like, let's shoot it. And I'm like, we are not shooting this until we are a hundred percent ready to go. Uh-huh. So we waited another six months. We rehearsed, we pulled together the perfect locations and crew and we made it, but we made it well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just, I just didn't want to compromise because in, you know, when you start out as a short filmmaker, you ask your friends to act in it. You shoot in your house. It may not be the best location, but it's easy. Yeah. You, you cut a lot of corners because, and that's okay to do. Mm. But because um, you
0: need to work within your means, you
1: have to work within your means yep. and within your scope. Like, yep. you know, you're just trying to think about maybe one. Maybe you you're lucky enough to get a, a takeaway food shop as a location, and all you can think about is managing that shop owner and making sure that the location stays under control. Yeah. So you like cast your friends in it, and you yeah. do every you cut corners everywhere else because all you can only focus on one thing right. when you're starting out.
0: Sure. So the film won an award. Yeah. Or won a bunch it of It won awards. a bunch.
1: We didn't enter proper festivals. We didn't okay. we didn't know what we were doing. We right. had a lovely producer step in, but he he was like, I don't know what I'm doing either. And um so we missed a lot of festivals, but but it got picked up, like and some people came to us. Like we won an IF award back then. Yeah. It was a good award, but we didn't enter that. That so was an audience. How, thing.
0: how did it get picked up? Like people saw it online? No. Just saw it so the
1: IF awards was at every festival it's screened at. Yeah, people come out and I didn't know that IF people would take a ballot and people oh. would vote. Wow. As they can as they left the cinema. Wow. So it was an, a true audience award. Okay. Um, but we entered Australian festivals. That was easy enough. But okay. in terms of like Sundance and things that yeah. like we didn't we didn't hit many big festivals. We didn't. We got oh, Miff the Melbourne International Film yeah. Festival picked us up. Okay. We entered them by writing. With a marker on, yeah. on the DVD. We didn't have a proper EPK, an electronic press kit. Yeah. So we wrote in marker and we handed it in on the very last day. Yeah. And I, when I got the call that the Melbourne International Film Festival had accepted the film, I cried. And then I got a letter saying, you're in the accelerator program. And I was like, oh, my God, just being in the festival is enough. Yeah. And then when, I, when we actually showed up to the festival, the, the festival programmer, Chloe Brugali, came up to me. and She said, would you like to meet the programmer that watched your film at 1 a.m. and chose you? Mm. And he came up and he was like, you have no idea. Like He's like, it was the deadline for the films. He goes, I, I brought my last 20 films back and there were 40 more films waiting for me. And they said, please watch these. And he said, I can't. I'm done. I hate them all. I hate these films. I don't want to watch anymore. This is what I signed up for and, and this is the amount I said I'd watch. And they shoved them into his hands and said, please. And my film was like at the bottom of that pile. And so, so filmmakers that are listening, try and enter film festivals early. Yeah. And, 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 I, and yeah. we had hand, my, and, and he said he put it in thinking it was going to be terrible because okay. we had written on it with marker and, mm-hmm. and he rang her at 1 a.m. And said, "I've just found an accelerator entry."
0: So, an accelerator entry. What is accelerator that? Accelerator
1: is a, a, a really special program within the film festival. At like Meath. mentorship. Yeah, they yep. take ten promising young filmmakers, and they introduce you to producers. You get to you get to um, hear special talks about uh, you know distribution. Robert Connolly came and spoke to us. It was beautiful. He's a great director. Mm-hmm. Um, and each other, like in my group was Ariel Kleiman, who just did season two of Top of the Lake. And he's so sweet, like yeah. really remarkable filmmakers that, that you go through. And so David Michaud was an Accelerator alumni. Wow, okay. Adam Arcopor,
0: okay. A yeah, lot Okay. Guys of, want to, listening might want to look up <coughs> those people if you don't know the names or don't recognize those names because they're big time filmmakers.
1: Yeah, they're really special. So that was a myth, you know, because it is easy to jump on Momentum of a filmmaker but but it's the people that have the foresight to see you bef- when you're in the rough. Yeah, definitely. And so Melbourne International Film Festival. So this is um, still back in special. 2010, 2011. Yeah, this is 2010.
0: And so we're sitting here beginning of 2018 and Aletia is currently in development on uh, Sony's Barbie feature film mm-hmm. um, with Anne Hathaway's Attached. Yeah. Um, and her feature film with Tony Collette and Molly Shannon is um, premiered at Sundance last year and is available to stream on Netflix. So there's still that seven year, six yeah. year gap in between.
1: And I'll accelerate that if you want. Yeah. Speaking of accelerator. <laughs> yeah. Essentially what happened was in 2012. came. Uh, yes. I entered it. I didn't, I didn't really mean to enter Fest. Tim Potter, who wrote the, again, it's the same model. Tim had worked with me on something else. He, he wrote this script for Tropfest. He said, mm-hmm. had money saved for mm-hmm. it and he wanted to star in it. Just yeah. like Rick. And I and I didn't want to make a Chopfest film. Why not? I was snobby. Like, Melbourne people especially are like, meh, Fest. Mm. But, I mean, a festival is what you make of it. You yeah. know, like, yeah. you that's what I learned. Yeah, you capitalize
0: in something. Right. So, in, in the interim of, like, two years, did you have uh, representation? Were you directing commercials? What were you doing as a director between those two short films?
1: I, um... I made a web series okay. with my friend Jonathan. Cop hard.
0: Cop hard. sorry. Yeah, I made yeah. a
1: web series, which was a heaven send. Okay, and that was
0: just for the heck of it to be creative, to Jonathan express Jonathan Alterhide
1: and Oscar Redding made a film called Van Diemen's Land. Okay. And they had this idea to make a web series. They couldn't get work. They, they wrote the web series and were going to finance it. And I, after When the Wind Changes, I couldn't get a break again. Okay. And I was thinking about quitting, directing. And it just felt too hard, and everyone kept saying it's not your turn. You have to wait in line to be a director, and so I was like, maybe I shouldn't be a director.
0: And were you still the face of not? Oh, uh, yeah. New England. Maybe Bank I should retire yeah.
1: to Tamworth. And then write <laughs>
0: you could be the, the Queen. Face. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, luckily, my beautiful friend Jonathan Alfterhide. Everybody, go and watch. Like find Van Diemen's Land and watch that movie. It's so special. But Jonathan was in the audience watching When the Wind Changes at the accelerator screening and he had tears running down his face because he was so happy for me that I'd made a good piece of work and it was received so well. So when he found out I was gonna stop directing, he gave me five episodes of his web series. He was going to direct I think they were gonna I think there were fifteen episodes and he was going to do ten of them. Okay. And he gave me five of his Okay, and it was his savings again, his money. Wow, that paid for Cop Hard, and so that bridged a little gap for me and gave me the momentum to keep making fun
0: projects. Yeah, yeah, and
1: And then then I made Dave's Dead, which is another short film that, and Dave's Dead and Lemonade Stand I made at the same time. But I was I started directing. I had then I started to do. Some online content for a friend's advertising agency. Okay, cool. I signed with a management company called Stacy Testro STI. In. Oh, yeah. in in Melbourne. Yep. and they, they represent
0: were, directors. Yeah, directors okay. and actors and okay.
1: cinematographers and I think even like production designers and they were okay. awesome. They okay. they that was through your me. reel or seeing you. They saw when the wind changes. Stuff. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Mm. Um. Okay. Great, and then obviously Trofeus came along. You won that, and that gave you a trip to LA. That was it, yeah. And that was the big, probably the biggest turning point because then you got representation over
1: here, yeah. Okay, paradigm, yeah. paradigm,
0: and then when did Three Arts come along?
1: Um, I was visiting. So from 2012 to 2014, I was only visiting like three times a year, and I think that's really important for people to hear because people move here and hope that it all goes well, right? But I did not move here immediately. I visited for two years. Was that a conscious on decision? And off. No, it was my management's advice. They were like chip away at it, don't expect much. They kept me really grounded okay they were really so that Stacy Stacy Testro and Emma yeah. Woolley were really smart and they put me with paradigm saying because there are bigger agencies, but they were like you'll get swallowed up yeah so they they helped me find a boutique agency okay and um Yeah, that that was awesome. But I was just coming on and off and I was directing commercials in between and and saving as much money as I could to visit for three weeks at a time, five weeks sometimes. And so
0: for those stints, of um, those trips, are you here and your agents are sending you out on meetings? Yeah. And that's the process basically. And and I'm
1: telling my agents, we're planning it five weeks out. Okay. So five weeks out from my trip, I say, here are my dates. And that's when they start booking in. General meetings. And, and everyone who hasn't visited LA, you, like, you need to know that people will cancel your meetings. It's just, it's not sure. personal.
0: No, it's just that because this is an industry where it's fluid. Yeah. And jobs cancel. Go job, you book something and it gets canceled. Bigger things or come up. Yeah.
1: You're the least important person to them. You're a general meeting. Yeah. So then suddenly so you have that that to
0: Would you say that that's the equivalent to an audition for an actor? Is a general meeting is... A, a director's audition.
1: Well, do, do you guys have ghosties or something? Like just a general uh, general's,
0: use, generals sometimes happen. Yeah. Um, but not as frequently as say auditions do.
1: Well, no, I think the equivalent... For a director, for of an audition would be a pitch. Okay. Where you're pitching
0: on specific a specific script. And would you be doing that as well in these? Yes, I was. Trips? I okay. was doing that. And you had your own ideas because you weren't.
1: No, I oh, okay. I don't write. I, okay. I like working with writers, so I they were sending me they'd send me scripts. Um, your agents would. Yeah, my agents yeah. at Paradigm would send me scripts in Australia, and I'd read them. And if there was something I'd respond to. We then maybe set up a Skype, uh, and then we'd set up a meeting in person when I came, and I would do a visual presentation. Okay. So I was making all this traction. I was making yeah. a lot of ground for those two years of visits, and then my agent just eventually said to me, "You have to move here because okay. you keep making ground, and it all gets undone.
0: So it is time. Back yeah. To Australia.
1: No one believes you're taking this seriously because you have an Australian address." And,
0: okay. Interesting.
1: And so I moved. That as soon as I activated my visa, the day You're after 01? my oh1 yeah, the day after it activated, um, I got my first job here, which was with Amazon Studios directing a TV series called Gordon McGibbons' Life on Wall yeah, Street, for
0: which you won an award. DGA. I was
1: nominated for a DGA award okay, for that. Great. And that was just I would have taken anything. Yeah. But right. It, it and that turns was out. that
0: job came as a result of you pitching to them.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I offered to pitch to them, I, the TV's a bit different, mm-hmm. Like, so I said to them, can you show me a script and I'll put together a visual presentation for you, and they were like, what? And I'm like, I'll do a great one, and they were <laughs> like, we don't do that, like, they don't do that in television, you okay. don't pitch on scripts. right?" Yeah. They just look at your work, and they have a general meeting, and they give you the gig.
0: Really? And I how many people are up? How many directors are up for the job? So you didn't get a chance to have a say in like proving yourself in the meeting, or
1: I proved myself pitch? in the meeting. I spoke in, you know, I think I spoke spoke articulately mm-hmm. about the pilot that had already been made and okay. about the production design, and my short film lemonade stand was very tonally similar, which is why I was in the room. That's why they met me. Yeah, because it was so similar to what they were doing. Okay, so. But I did say, they said, maybe we should get every director to put a visual presentation together. And I said, maybe you should because I'll do the best one for you.
0: And Prove yourself. Yeah. yeah I so, so
1: I was driving home and I rang my agent and said, I'm going to do a visual presentation for them. And he was like, uh, I'm just trying to book you on the show. You don't need to
0: do a presentation. What is a visual presentation?
1: It's, it's basically probably, I mean, my Barbie visual presentation was 100 pages. But that was a process.
0: So it's like a portfolio. It's It's like your, it's like a mood board. It's like
1: a slideshow. Okay. But I get mine bound and printed as well, and I leave them in the room. But it's it's like here's what this here here are other reference TV shows that exist that remind me of what I want to do. Okay. Here's the casting, uh, production design, color palette, cinematography, Mm. the way that it will look in on paper.
0: Yeah. Very cool.
1: Yeah. So then I started working, but there was a two. It was two years of visiting and taking meetings and not booking anything
0: okay so it's expensive to be coming back and forth
1: it was and then also paying
0: for the visa and living in
1: poverty over here like sleeping on friends couches yeah while
0: you're doing these meetings and stuff and yeah yeah um yeah so that's something else that probably aspiring filmmakers should should take note of too absolutely um even when you've got that top shelf representation behind you Driving you, yeah. Um, so eventually, you booked this job after you activated your visa, and then you're based here, yeah. Um, and then, I guess the momentum built, and you got offered fun mom dinner, <laughs> <laughs> fun mom dinner, fun, fun mom dinner. Why is it so hard to say as fun an mom Australian? Dinner. Fun mom it's dinner. It's actually easy to say as an Australian. Fun mom the, dinner. People don't but people understand don't understand it. it. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> um. So. When you're working on a film like Fun Mum Dinner, yeah, um, available on to stream um, on Netflix and everywhere else, mm-hmm. uh, do you have a say in the casting choices? Yeah. When you're working at a film at that level, because it's still an in, technically an independent film, yeah. so it's not a studio film. So you get to did you get to choose some of your friends to be in it, like the ones I recognise? I know oh, To ones. be your friends,
1: yeah, I totally stacked it with yeah. my little buddies. But the bigger people. It, I mean, so the budget is a two and a half million dollar budget. So it's a little less than people think it would be given the awesome people that are in it. Mm -hmm. Um, they booked me, it was six weeks out from the shoot. They lost their director. And so they didn't have, they only had Bridget Everett attached. She's an amazing, you should everyone look up Bridget Everett because she's a superstar. She was attached, um, And it's like written by Julie Rudd, who's Paul Rudd's wife Uh and Naomi Scott being in it. Right. He's in it. Naomi Scott is, uh, she produced it and she's Adam Scott's wife and he's in it. Right. So we, we, we felt, I mean, they already could go to their friends and ask people. So, but they ran it by me. Plus there are financiers who have a say in, how their money is spent and and how they feel they'll make their money back. So we had to basically book an A list star like Tony Collette before I could then put other stars, other actors around her. Sure. So yes, we were going in six weeks, but there was only a very short list of actors that would qualify for the film to really go other yeah. It's 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 maths. It's like a formula. Yeah,
0: it's business. They each
1: have a numerical value and it has to add up to a certain figure. Okay. I really wanted Molly Shannon for okay. the role. I read that, that you did. You I her loved yeah. Molly yeah. in that role, in but they were like, "Nope, she doesn't get it done. You can only have Molly if you lock someone like Tony in. And I'm like, I should be so lucky to, mm. to work with Tony. Chicken and
0: the egg a bit. You have yeah. To, yeah. Um, so changing uh, track a little bit, um, maybe going more to a creative question. What do you think makes a good actor?
1: Um, texture.
0: What does that mean? Detail, you, specificity, cho-
1: choices. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I'm always looking for a strange delivery, like
0: because you do these broad comedies. I, so. oh, I don't like broad. No. Oh, okay, sorry. Fun Mum Dinner that.
1: is so broad, but mm-hmm. I like I like elevated and Ele- heightened. Yeah, heightened.
0: I think is the well, word I was looking for.
1: It I mean, first and foremost, everything has to be honest and okay. and authentic. Mm-hmm. But within that, there's so much space to play to make choices more interesting. And I'm always looking for the interesting choice, the interesting quirk that brings texture to the character and makes them three-dimensional. And it's, it is it is a hard thing because then if you push it too hard as an actor, it becomes inauthentic.
0: And uh, just weird and esoteric. Yeah. Can you talk you about it? you can't do it
1: for the sake of quirkiness. People yes. always say my films are quirky and it's like, no, still I truthful. hate that work. Yeah.
0: It's just like the conversation in Fun Mum Dinner uh, mm. between Adam Scott and... Rob Hugel. Rob Hugel from Transparent. Mm -hmm. Um, Their conversation is, yeah, you could say that it's quirky, but it's also I could see two dads talking about these things and it's pretty funny. And, yeah, it's a bit weird, but it's also it's weird because it actually is real. And maybe you don't, men that watch that think that they don't talk like that, but they actually do.
1: That was so good, those guys. That Um, was a magical Do you think that
0: that, what's a, can you think of a specific moment where, either from one of your films or watching someone on another project or TV show or film where you've seen an actor give that textured moment or yeah, delivery in a particular scene or something yeah. Is something come to mind that you're like, yeah. that's the one I always think of.
1: Yeah, sure. When the wind changes, Okay. Um, which was interesting because as, as you mentioned, it's two guys talking at the same time, even when they're not in the same room as each other. And we rehearsed that so deeply that the two guys that Rick Davies and, um, Dave Lawson were so fluid with each other that they could depart from the script and start improvising and, and find new on. stuff and be in sync. Yeah. And because there's a scene where they're in different it's a montage rooms. they're in different yeah. rooms. One is watching television eating cereal. Yeah. And the other is down on the boat pitching to rent a boat to a, a holidaying couple. And we did Dave's scene first and he was just amazing. He left the script behind. And was so funny. He's like when it comes to pontooning, the bubble is the creme de la creme. And it was just like, he's beautiful in that scene. And Rick was watching it. Now, Rick had the difficult job. He went pale. He's like, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to be level with that quality of improv. Okay. Because he had to go then up to the house and we shot his scene and he had to remember everything Dave said and say it as well so that I could edit between the two whenever yeah, I wanted. And, and it's single yeah. voice. It's one thing that's being said. So Rick yeah. is playing an Atari game going, when it comes to pontooning, the bubble is the creme de la creme. And then he, and he, he spits rice bubble. He, it wasn't working, so I said, eat some rice bubbles. Yeah. And it was so gorgeous. So the texture that they're doing, if you watch that little montage, that's the detail I'm talking about. Okay.
0: And that's something you can't really pinpoint, but it—it's just like you know it when you see it, or it is in front of you, and like with a rice bubble, it, it was a prop that was there. And, it's
1: fluid, and that's the magic
0: that people talk about when they see something on screen, and yeah, and being open to those those choices and that level of improv, either stylistically or from an acting point of view. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, Any closing thoughts for aspiring filmmakers out there? We've obviously mapped out Mm. uh, like your career and that things take longer than people see it from the outside. Yeah. Uh, And you talked about that when you received your breakthrough award that your agents told you when they signed with you, it takes five years to break a director. Mm. And then five years later you won the breakthrough award. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We've talked about that. uh, I think that there's a, the through line with your work and, as an extension of your personality, is a sense of joy. We mm-hmm. talked about the origins of that. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to that you wanted to add? Either uh, send out into the ether, send out into the world. Yeah,
1: sure. I, I think in terms of aspiring filmmakers, I mean, be cognizant of where you're at in your station. In mm-hmm. it, like, are you at the if, if you're at the phase of of being able to make mistakes and make bad work. Revel in it and, and make as many mistakes as you can make. If you feel like you've made enough work that you're not proud of, like me, then you move to that stage of being uncompromising mm-hmm. in terms of like don't waste people's time. There comes a point where you can't waste your crew's time. And money. And money. That's yeah. right. And the audience. You have to respect your audience. That seven minutes they're giving you. You better pack it with detail and love and joy and amazing craft. Yeah. So be aware of that state. And now, if, and then, if you're trying to break, and then make a lot of content. Be mm-hmm. prolific with your short films, so that when I came here, I had three short. I didn't just have my Trotfest film. I had you had something. When you the had wind a changes, of work. Dave's dead, lemonade yeah. stand, yeah. and they send those three out still. Wow. They got me Barbie. Not fun, mum dinner. Are you serious? Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool.
1: So, that be and then the third phase of that is be realistic about how long it's going to take. Don't compare yourself to other people because it took me like, I mean, I feel like I've been working towards this since high school. Yeah, but it it took me a long time of chipping away and and all those bad meetings where you don't book anything. You're standing on the shoulder of your
0: or the of your past self. Yeah.
1: You're standing on those shoulders where you get better. Those those bad meetings make you good at meetings and yeah. you can book. and the,
0: the rambling emails that I read you send. Don't send long so, emails, send long guys. Emails, break it down it into short. point form. Yeah, people's time is is very valuable. Yeah. Um, very cool. Um, I feel like there's other questions that I want to ask you, but maybe that'll have to be reserved for another conversation um again we want to be respectful to our audience listening we've gone over the half hour mark, oh my God, i'm so. so sorry everyone <laughs> no you've given out some good advice i think that was like a filmmaking lecture more than anything <laughs> i think that was really good go us go us for making something that's gonna I hope make it. someone make some filmmakers day do you encourage uh actors or people to reach out to you on social media or do you have any advice for if people Maybe keep them at bay. Like know yeah, this that is good. collaboration is going to be, is possible, but just be respectful. What be I say courteous. to
1: people, it, I mean, I never asked people that were too far ahead of me for help. The people that helped me and you've, you've heard me talk about them, Jonathan Alterhide, Kitty Green, Rick Davies. They were my peers. Yeah, We were at the exact same level together and we helped each other. Mm-hmm. They're the people that you should be asking to read your scripts. Yeah, I get, people send me their, their short film scripts cold out of the blue. I don't, and I feel like expect, a jerk. Yeah. I don't have... I'm trying to stay afloat. Yeah. I don't have the time to yeah. read. But I'm also not the person to read it. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, like every now and then I will sit down with someone if I have time and headspace. And, and it's because they've said, can I buy you a coffee? Can I do... like it, It's like, what? Like, don't just take, take, take. Yeah, like, sure. I, I, try it's, to it's, give
0: something whatever you can. It's a
1: lovely connection. Yeah. I would love to help people. And it's an
0: honest conversation. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. they
1: also have to have a good body of work backing them up and mm. ha- that's how I can help them. I'm not going to be able to help a person that's done one short film get representation. Sure. It's just so
0: hard. And yeah. is there something, um, a random question, a bit off the cuff, but, um, is there something that you recognize in your meetings with Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. um, as her, as an actor, is there something that you recognize in her, oh, yeah. um, that sort of distinguishes her from any other actor that sort of has explains her success and the yes. level that she's got to.
1: Do you know what I'm, I have a project with Margot Robbie as well. Okay. And there's something remarkable about those two women, that um, it's almost like they're crystals, it, like the energy that they give out. And they're very grounded in who they are. They're mm-hmm. singular. They're smart. They do their homework more than anyone. When I when I met Anne Hathaway for the first time, I was warned that she would have done her homework on me and 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 i watched
0: everything yeah and she did
1: and i i spoke about wonder woman at one point and she's like oh yeah you tweeted that article about that and i read that article and i went back to my twitter feed as soon as i got off my call with Anne, and it was months earlier that she went down she went deep so Anne is highly intelligent yeah and super empowering both Mm -hmm. of those women are really they i feel seen with them and you know they say like people don't remember what you said; they remember how how they felt how you around you. F- yeah. You. And I feel good with I feel seen, and I feel really special when I'm with Margot and Anne. And so that's good.
0: Okay, good to know. So what? Uh, how do you think that that could extend to any actors listening out there?
1: Don't have a taking spirit. Don't meet people and think what's in it for me. How can I get what I want? Because that people feel it. They don't know what it is, but I'll, they'll automatically put their walls up. If you just if you just have a giving energy and you're present and listening and available, that's all you need to do. The effortlessness, the neediness is, it's hard. And I've been needy. I've been that person too. And it never works. Mm. Have a giving energy.
0: Very good closing thoughts. Have a giving energy. Um, I think I feel I need, I want. Is there anything different now that we've had this conversation? Anything different in what you think you yep. need a want?
1: I need to go home and work on this pitch document. <laughs> consistent
0: consistent thoughts, maintain your point of view,
1: um,
0: <laughs> and then you'll be successful just like Aletheia. Uh, thank you so much, Aletheia, for an amazing conversation. Thank you guys listening out there. Uh, until next time.
1: Thank you for listening.